You're listening to the Functional Nerds Podcast with your hosts, Patrick Hester and Tracy Townsend. Welcome back, friends. Please make sure your pod seats and tray tables are in their upright and locked position. The airlock has been sealed and docking clamps have been released for an on-time departure to the Functional Nerdverse. So I have to say, we've had great success with Grogu in our last couple of episodes there as, a, as, as the sort of initial greeter. Um, it's always kind of a, for, for future potential guests listening to the episode, you should know, um, that you may occasionally have your your, your giggle reflex tested. Um, and we've had pretty good, pretty good reactions off of Max and now Alice Bell, who's here Hi. to talk to us about grave expectations. And I, I have to say... When we were uh, in talks back and forth about getting you on, in addition to me just like loving the premise of this book and wanting so badly to talk to you about it, I was also did a little bit of a double take as I was prepping my show notes and stuff going like, oh, 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 this episode is going to go live on Spooktober. Um, so yeah, the, the episode is, is assuming, you know, God willing and, and things don't go awry. This episode should be airing on October 31st, which seems like exactly the right day for it. Um, oh, it does. It does. I think the the book, more or less, the events take place around Halloween as well on Halloween weekend. So it's perfect. Yeah. Love it. So, <laughs> we, we talk all the time on this show about like different genre mashups and things like this. And I think um, this sort of hits a wonderful sweet spot of it's it's a sort of crime novel murder mystery thing with a bit of a paranormal thing and also a little side of con artist going on in there, um, which I think if you've got the Venn diagram of all these pieces together, you sort of like shove them together and I'm sitting there squatting in the middle going, hi, it's me. I want to read this book. Um, so <laughs> with that in mind and the fact that I've already hit the button to put it into uh, my audible queue for, for this week's um, commuting into work, catch us up on Grave Expectations and it's absolutely wonderfully bonkers premise. Sure. Well, thank you. Um, so Grave Expectations is a modern murder mystery with a sort of, uh, I guess, magical, ghosty, horror-y twist. Uh, the character is a citizen detective uh, called Claire and she is a medium and uh, she works with the ghost of uh, her 17 year old best friend they were at school together and her friend Sophie died and now they just kind of womble around uh, making uh, I suppose just about you know hand-to-mouth living being a medium she's not a very good medium because uh, while she can see and hear and talk to ghosts she's not very dramatic and she's not a very good performer is Claire but uh, she goes to the kind of crumbling country mansion of uh, her friend and is there to do a gig and accidentally runs into the ghost of a murder victim who kind of can't remember who they are and what happened and she ends up solving that murder or trying to before the, the murderer can catch up to, to them. She makes some friends along the way as well. <laughs> you know, they always never, sort of say that. I've never, I've never understood why mediums don't try to, to like better themselves and become a large. <laughs> Patrick, Patrick Louise, oh. we've talked about this. We talk, oh, go in the corner, no. <laughs> go in the corner with Ronan right now. And you're allowed back <laughs> once something happens. I don't know. I haven't. Oh, I know. Right. Right. Um, you need to go talk to your publicist and be like, never again. Like, it's just, just, we're not, we're not doing this again. <laughs> so what, I mean, for me, one of the most sort of fun parts about talking to authors about their work is the kind of how did we even get to this premise part of the discussion? Like mm. that sort of like where, you know, one does not just sort of roll out of bed one day and say, you know what I need. And then all of that sort of like rolls out at once. So I'm kind of curious as to like, how is this the story that came to speak to you? I don't know. Do you know, I do like a lot of detective fiction I love you know Agatha Christie and the, the golden age stuff but at the time it was a lockdown baby as a lot mm -hmm. of I think 2023 debuts are and I had been reading a lot of that uh, very serious kind of detective fiction that's got like a troubled divorced you know 
detective who and is up against a serial killer and who has a nickname like you know the garotta or whatever um, <laughs> and uh i just wanted something a bit um you know keep it light like a bit, you know just a bit a bit less uh angsty i suppose and also i'm from a kind of um my reading background is very like pratchett and you know um i suppose a bit douglas adamsy and I also watch a lot of those British ITV daytime cosy crime things like Midsummer Murders. So I was sort of smashing everything together. Um, and the ghost thing came because I was I was thinking about being a millennial as I am. You are sort of always uh, in in the press and in the public consciousness. It's a little bit like we're, we're always kids and we're never allowed to grow up. And so I... Oh. It's a very literal, if you're a ghost, you literally, and you died when you were 17, you, like, that's it. Um, and I also thought, you know, well, if you could see ghosts, that would be quite upsetting. <laughs> like, it'd be quite rubbish. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, how would it affect your life if you saw ghosts everywhere just hanging about? And it would be quite distracting and quite uh, a kind of... Um, what would the word be? Just, just kind of put a, a ceiling in your social life yeah. and disconcerting, yeah. and you know, inconvenient perhaps. Yeah. I, I always liked, uh, uh, oh God, Peter Jackson. Was it like his first major film, The Frighteners? Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah I don't know yeah. if you ever saw that. That was great. Like, and and I think that that kind of goes a little bit towards what, like, how would you deal with it? Well, of course, mm. you know that character deals with it by by conning people. <laughs> like, come on, ghosts, <laughs> let's let's go con some people. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I suppose yeah. Claire is sort of con adjacent because she um, uses Sophie to sort of cheat a bit, and so Sophie, mm-hmm. as a ghost, can go around and sort of. Uh, you know, look, move the thing, like, yeah, and and sort of uh, case the joint for information. So then it seems like more is happening than really is. And a lot of the time, it's just you know someone's elderly relative complaining about Everton losing in the football or something. You know, <laughs> it's fairly dull. Yeah, yeah. I have to. I'm trying to imagine if I were in like me, actual me, in the situation of being able to see ghosts and other people's can't, I assume that the ghosts would have some awareness of my being aware of them. And I think my, what would be terrifying for me about it wouldn't necessarily be someone shows up and maybe they look sort of gnarly and awful as in the condition they were when they died. If it was, if it was something rather terrible, I I think for me, the terror of it would be because only I am seeing them and therefore able to interact with them. They would like want stuff from me. I could just picture (laughs) myself coming home from work, having been like, tailed by a ghost that found me at the grocery store who needs me to, I don't know, like make sure that their mail is being checked on the regular or whatever. And I would just be like, I just do not have the time guy. Like I've got so much stuff going on (laughs) right now. I got to go home and make dinner and probably my kids need something to follow up with a homework on. And could we not? Um, That would be, that would be the real source of horror for me. So, 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 so Alice listeners know this. You don't. Tracy is bad at TV. Mm, She's not aware of television. She doesn't know stuff. So she doesn't know that she just described the, uh, I believe it's a BBC sitcom called Ghosts that CBS has now rebooted and they're doing Mm. an American version where it's that. Right, the 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 Isn't lady like the, see the ghosts and no one else can see them, and they want stuff from her. And, and there's an American thing with like a lady who writes obituaries, and like the people whose obituaries she's writing, like sort of show up in her life, which Ooh, seems very much yeah. the same concept too. Yeah, yeah. yeah but but the th- the thing is, the ghosts, uh, both the UK and the American, it's a sitcom, it's a comedy, mm-hmm. so it is funny. You know, I think most like things are, are funny, you know, with, the, you know, tragedy plus time equals comedy, right? And, sure, yeah. Uh, and yeah, go, the BBC Ghost actually came out um, just sort of, I think, the year after or the year I was I was writing it. So uh, that was great because then when you're like trying to sell to publishers, you can be like, think of the BBC sitcom Ghosts. and you know, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it just made a comp title for you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, but it is great, and I do recommend the the BBC version. I have not seen the American reboot. The the BBC version here uh, was available on Max, the streaming mm-hmm. service. 
I don't know if it still is because I canceled my Max subscription, but it was available there, and that's where I first saw it. And then I watched the the CBS version, and as with all American adaptations of UK shows, they watered it down, in my opinion. Mm. You know, they they took they took some of the best parts, and they they and they they got rid of it. <laughs> it's still funny, <laughs> but it's different. You know, I remember they did, uh, they did, NBC did uh, a version of Coupling from Stephen Moffat. Did they? They did. I didn't it was know awful. they'd done that. Oh, I, it I... was god awful. They took every <laughs> single thing that made that such a great <laughs> oh, no. show. And they said, we can't put that on, on network television. And they took it out, you know. Uh, oh, no. So, yeah, it was, it was god awful. It was terrible. There's the, um, it's still spoken of in the UK, but I can't remember which, um, uh, channel it was but an american uh network tried to they did like a pilot for an american version of red dwarf that yep. <laughs> oh no makes yes. fun of for being terrible yeah it's horrible yeah there's there's pictures you can see that there's a meme where it's like the uk and the and the american version of red dwarf yeah well, we're very precious about our comedy shows in the uk i think <laughs> <laughs> well i also think well, to a certain extent this- I was going to say, I did this whole thing once to talking about the, the adaptations that actually worked. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, All in the Family is an adaptation of an old UK show. Uh, Sanford and Son is an adaptation of Stepford. Stepford and Son? Really? Steptoe. Steptoe and Son. Yeah. Steptoe and Son. Because the, the, the granddad in, or the dad in Steptoe and Son is also the, the same actor who played Paul's granddad in A Hard Day's Night. And the running joke throughout the whole thing was how clean he was. <laughs> because in Stepco and Son, he's always dirty. Uh, uh, but yeah, like all the, the, there's like a bunch of shows that Norman Lear did uh, that were all based on UK shows and they, they ended up being, you know, huge hits here. Mm-hmm. But I think with respect to like how we struggle to, to sometimes import UK comedy in, you know, into an American frame, it is like this fundamentally like very different ideas about, what qualifies as kind of comedic. Um, We do this thing at the end of, at the end of the program called picks of the week, where we're all supposed to name something that, that has brought us joy recently. And um, for, for our most recent episode, uh, the one that airs just before this one, I named the great British bake off because like, as has been mentioned, I am not particularly good at television. And so I'm coming at this like what, 10 years late. Um, (laughs) But in any case, the thing about it has been interesting because we're watching it with my daughter and we are both thoroughly American people is she's sort of like, mom, is this, is this funny? Is what they just said funny? <laughs> it was like, Cause they're laughing. And I'm like, yeah, it really kind of is. And I'm like, but it's all kind of like, there's, it's a little bit more muted, like how, how the comedy plays exactly. And she's 12. And so that's mm-hmm. a bit lost on her. Um, and she's just sort of taking my word for it. Like, okay. Like I, I like them and the, this is all good and I will keep watching this. But she's like, I don't, I don't know if I get it. And I'm like, that's fine. It's fine. You're 12. You don't get anything yet. Um, <laughs> so that's pretty much your job. So well, it, you look, at, of, look at the office, look at the office. So hmm, yeah, yeah. They, they, they adapted the office here and they did almost a shot for shot uh, season one versus the UK office. And, and it mm. fell flat. Like it didn't, it didn't go over well because, um, it was mean, right? Oh. There, there's, there's, there's a meanness to to the yeah. to the main character, uh, and 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 so they had to adjust it for season two, and they they took it because they, they had to make that a little bit more American. You know, we we don't necessarily like the the humor at the expense of someone else, which is which is what uh, what's his face did. Um, oh, I can't, I'm blanking on his name. Oh, David Brent, UK. Um, yeah. Uh, what's his, uh, Ricky Gervais. Um, yes. So, yeah. so he, you know, he, he was coming at it from a more mean kind of take on the character. And when yeah, you get yeah, to Michael yeah. Scott, uh, it just didn't, it didn't, it didn't go over well with American audiences. Mm-hmm. So they yeah. changed Michael Scott to be more clueless. Really? Yeah, I, like, so it wasn't mean. It was, it was just, he didn't know any better kind of thing. And that yeah. ended up being, and, and that that's that's one of the things that I've always noticed about the the difference between uh, like British sense of humor in, in shows versus American. Like there there can be a uh, I'm making fun of you versus I'm making fun of myself. Mm. Okay. Kind of thing. 
I I think it's but I think um, Ricky Gervais is, isn't as funny as I don't think as Stephen Merchant, who's his writing partner, um, mm. who's from Bristol, which is near where I originally grew up. And I think if you look at some of the stuff Stephen Merchant has done without um, Ricky Gervais, it is still it still feels very. Um, Englishy for and British, but it's <laughs> sure. not uh, as uh, maybe mean spirited. Um, yeah. So he did a show called Hello Ladies, which uh, I think only did a season, but it was about him trying to, you know, a character based on him. He played sort of himself trying to make it in America, uh, and then um, he did one recently. I can't remember the name of, but it's about um, people doing community service. And Christopher Walken was in it, and it's really, really good. And it's really, fun. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> It's sort of like mildly terrifying the idea of encountering Christopher Walken in a in a community service context. You can just imagine him on the other side of the table at a soup kitchen. <laughs> like, so, it'd be like I think when I eat at the other one down the road. Sorry, <laughs> it's, it's a little unnerving. I guess as well, like this whole idea of um, like mean spiritedness versus sort of laughing at ourselves. You know, part of the pitch of grave expectations itself is that there's the characters are in a race against their own incompetence yes. which is sort of a <laughs> phrase that i deeply love because i think it tells us a lot about the story without really giving anything away um and i think you know we're a science fiction fantasy podcast we talk a lot about how much we admire like uber competent characters who do really cool and interesting and adventurous things. Um, but I, I think it's worth to kind of flip the script a little bit and like, why do we enjoy the hell out of characters who are just bad at stuff <laughs> in the way that we do? Like, I think that was an, another thing that sort of inspired me when I was writing the book because, because uh, you know, with the thing about the super genius detectives, uh, right, I, cannot, yeah. I cannot relate to them because I am not. <laughs> I, you know, it's sort of that feeling, you know, that I need I need an adult, but I am thirty four, you know, like that kind of vibe. So um, uh, Claire is she's not a detective, and she can't call the police because she has no evidence that someone has been killed that she can show anyone else, you know. So it's uh, just sort of like trying to solve murder without kind of getting in trouble and not really having any resources. And uh, apart from a dead teenager who is kind of willfully unhelpful a lot of the time. Um, (laughs) I don't want to do this anymore. This is boring. Yeah, she does. She's very like I had to give um, uh, notes to the uh, very talented actor who reads the audio book and about like how to distinguish voices and stuff. And I was like, she's just a yeah teenager. She says, oh, my God. And she says, oh, well, a lot. But also has now been alive, well, not alive, but has existed for 30 years. So she's a, a yeah. weird kind of... It's a bit of a character needle to thread there, The like that, that she is a forever kid who is also mm. sort of burdened with... I mean, it's not like interview with the vampire Claudia levels of, of kind of like, yeah. oh, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, this is like the, it's not that exactly, but it is kind of that. Yeah, like she, she, she sort of jokes, but it's kind of not really a joke a lot, Sophie, that, you know, like she, like life is wasted on Claire because Claire Mm -hmm. hasn't like traveled and done exciting things and she doesn't get laid much, if at all. And, Mm -hmm. you know, she never lost her virginity and she's furious and like um uh whereas Claire's point is like but I'm I'm weird because of you like yeah. I you know yeah. people see me like talking to midair sometimes and I'm just and I you know I bit of a cock block yeah yeah exactly yeah. Yeah. Like, <laughs> there's, a, there's a there's a maximum distance that Sophie can get from Claire so she's always there so how do you like go on a date when like a teenager is like I'm bored like in like. in the corner you know <laughs> Yeah, sitting there having their sort of like popcorn observation moment and, yeah. and giving their Statler and Waldorf feedback about how things are going from from the cheap yeah, sheets. Exactly. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I mean, it's it's fun, and it sounds like you had a lot of fun with the project. I mean, it's pandemic baby book. Um, you know, it's a lot of a lot of us. I think tried to use pieces of our writing to rescue ourselves from the the whole business of the lockdown 
Um, but I guess, you know, there's other parts of your life that you could sort of turn to for that as well, because I mean, you, you're the editor for Rock, Paper, Scissors, uh, Rock, Paper, Shotgun, I should say, the UK-based oh, PC <laughs> gaming web- website. Yeah. And so that's that's a that's a very different world to kind of pour your energies and your, um, your kind of imagination and, and amusement into. So I'm kind of wondering, like, how do you flip the switch between the world of kind of circulating in in pc gaming and then um this very different world of it's it's just you and the book making it together i do you know what it's not because like with video games unless you're playing mmos and stuff it's me sure. in the video game it's <laughs> right um, so it's sort of the opposite i had to like desperately talk to people otherwise i would have just been you know um i think the book was like a good way to like measure time passing almost like i knew i knew that i had been in lockdown for x amount of time because i had written so many thousand words um but video games and that sort of like online world and like meme mm-hmm. kind of stuff and references right. do make their way into the book there's you know i've got the listening of um fear in there <laughs> it's just referenced in there and um uh, and always sunny in Philadelphia uh, title screen joke for a chapter start uh, mm-hmm. that you'll you'll recognize if you know that. So sort of that kind of meme referential stuff does find its way out as well. And I think um, my journey to becoming a published author includes a decade of having to write stuff on demand for, <laughs> um, you know, quite critical audiences. So I'm quite armored against edits and things and reviews and stuff as well. So, so I read. So I'm I read, sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Are you saying that that video game <laughs> aficionados are crazy? I mean, like, that's unheard of. I've, my gosh. Whomst among us has not had a death threat emailed to them <laughs> because of something they said about Assassin's Creed? You know. Oh Lord. Is there oh my God. Do not get me started on Assassin's Creed because I wanted <laughs> to love that game so much, and I was mm. so incredibly bored. I am not, I am not any of them. I am not (laughs) the guy who is going to be able to sneak around stuff. Like every time there's a sneak around game, I start like vibrating. Like I have (laughs) to do something now. Like I'll start, I'll, I'll like, I'll like purposely let someone see me so I can start like a massive fight. Cause I can't just do it. And I can't sneak anymore. It drives me up a wall. Oh, you might like the more recent. So Assassin's Creed, uh, Valhalla, and um, God, the ancient Greek one that I can't remember the name of. Um, they're very fighty. They're not really sneaky at all. You're just like a big buff, you know, Viking warrior. Yeah, there yeah. There's, there's, uh, there's a friend of mine here locally, the, uh, Giles. Uh, he does Beyond the Trope, which is another podcast here locally in Denver. And... Uh, he's a gamer. I'm a gamer, and we both have Playstations, and we will play games and stuff. And one of the games that I started playing, uh, based on a recommendation from him and Jeremy, was Dishonored. Oh, and then and <laughs> and, and, and I'm just like, stuff. I'm just like, oh, you know, I start sneaking around, and I'm I'm doing okay for a little while, and then I'm sitting there, I'm like, oh, I'm so sneaky, like no one can see me. And then uh, next thing you know, I'm in a fight for my life for probably like 20 minutes as just guard after guard after guard just keeps coming at me because I I think I'm sneaking and I'm not sneaking. And, you know, then I have all these bodies. And I don't I'm envisioning you with like bodies. a one man band attachment, like, <laughs> it, it like a very sneaky like I reach out to, to Giles and I'm like, well, you know, I was sneaky for all of 10 minutes. And then I thought I was sneaky, but I wasn't sneaky. And the guards saw me and I didn't think they saw me. And then they just kept coming. And I had this big, huge fight. <laughs> and now everybody in the whole like city knows that I'm here and they're they're coming for me. Like, that's me. Like, I, I just, I, I don't know. And the other thing is like, if, if a game doesn't give me the ability to just randomly jump whenever the fuck I want, it drives me up a <laughs> I just want to sit there and jump, you know, just jump. That's what I used to do in World Warcraft. It used to drive people crazy. I would run my character around just jumping, 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 jumping. They're like, would you please stop jumping? No, I had to jump, 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 jump. So anyway. Uh, I used to play WoW back in the day, but I, I've heard it's changed quite yeah, a lot. Yeah, Earth, Earth and Ring for the Horde. Come on. <laughs> I, I think I, I think I'm still, uh, believe it or not, in a Facebook group that's an Earth and Ring group that no one has posted in in forever, and I don't leave it because of nostalgia. 
So, mm-hmm. but now Microsoft owns them, right? So Microsoft just bought them. Yes, why? Well, yeah, massive deal. Uh, yeah. I went through about I want to say like ten days ago, something like that. Yeah, at time of recording, anyway. Yes. Um, yeah. So yeah, that'd be interesting. They've already announced. Um, I can't remember what game, but there's a there's a popular game series that's going to move to Xbox exclusivity moving forward. I can't oh. remember the name of the game, but that's usually what happens when either Microsoft or Sony buys somebody. It's like, yeah, no, no, we're gonna we're no, we're not gonna make these exclusive. We're gonna let everybody. No, they're gonna be exclusive moving forward. You have to buy our system. I can't yeah. remember what it was. Was it Call of Duty? They had to promise to the EU oh. and UK regulations that they wouldn't make one of the war Call games Duty. exclusive. Yeah, because, it might be Call of Duty. Because that would be against consumer protection laws in the EU or something. I can't remember. But it's done what, now so, anyway. Yeah. So, so uh, sorry. I, and I know that we've completely squirreled you on this. But um, <laughs> I, I always wonder, like, what what are the most, what are the popular games in in the uk because i like i know what's popular in the u.s but like mm. what's popular in the uk like what are what are what are the 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 one is it the same or is there something different like that just it's mostly the same it's you know your minecraft and fortnite um uh what's big but obviously spider-man 2 just came out Everyone's oh yeah, playing that. yeah. Mm-hmm. um it's broadly the same Broadly, like I, I couldn't think of anything massively different. Um, people are playing Ape Legs a lot at the moment. Um, uh, sorry, Apex Legends. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> we, call it, we call it Ape Legs on the website. Um, well, here, it, here, for example, mind. like people get excited for uh, Madden, right? Mm-hmm. Madden oh yeah, football. okay, yeah, no, and I'm, and I'm like, assuming yeah. that that there they get excited for for FIFA. FIFA, FIFA, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's not called yeah, FIFA yeah. anymore because they couldn't get a deal done with FIFA, right. so it's called EA Sports FC 24. <laughs> <laughs> that rolls right off the tongue. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so that's big at the moment. Um, that will be, yeah, the big sport. So any, anything, like, I guess, specific to the US or, like, North America, like, sports would uh, not be big, but uh, broadly, entertainment speaking, like, yeah, Spider-Man, Zelda, um, Minecraft, Fortnite. What what do the kids like? Yeah, big into Fortnite. Um, but it's there's not really much division there. I don't think. Mm-hmm. I really like uh, Horizon Zero Dawn, and I wanna yeah. I wanna get the sequel. I actually own the sequel, but I haven't played it because mm-hmm. I don't want the first one to end. And then, um, uh, but now they're doing the complete edition, so I might get the complete yeah. edition. Uh, well, so good news because uh, Forbidden West is very similar to Horizon Zero Dawn. I watched my yeah. husband do his playthrough of it. Yeah. I, my relationship to video games is uh, what people who have a relationship to television have. You know, it's just sort of like I, I just <laughs> kind of watch it. And like, I, yeah. I I got Baldur's Gate three. Uh, oh yeah. on PlayStation, and I I started to roll a character, and then Giles uh, rang me up and said, "Hey, let's play together." I'm like, oh, okay, how do I do that? And he goes, well, it's it's easy. Like, we'll just do it on the PlayStation. I'm like, okay, cool. How do I do that? Because I never know. And uh, so he set everything up, and then we played for a little bit, and it was fun. And then he left, and then I was on my own, and then I had to figure it out for myself. Mm-hmm. And, and so I, I restarted rolling a character. And I, this may or may not surprise you that I don't really pay attention to shit. And... <laughs> so i go through and i roll a character and and i'm sitting there and i'm going why does it why does it care about genitals i don't and and i just glossed over that and i just kept going oh okay and yeah and then i started playing and i'm playing the same stuff that giles and i just did so i'm like okay this is kind of familiar but i'm gonna do other things i want to make other decisions and i go through everything's fine and then I get to like, I, I don't have any short rests left and, I, and my group is getting, and I'm like, oh, I should do the long rest thing and go to camp. So I do the long rest thing and go to camp. And then every single one of these characters is hitting on me and I don't understand <laughs> yeah. why. And I'm like, well, this is just really weird. And then things got naked. Mm-hmm. So that, and that, <laughs> kind of like Joey, I wanted to put it in the freezer so that... 
Like, I, it, I, and I haven't picked it up since. I, I told you, yeah. I'm like, Giles, the game traumatized me. So in, <laughs> to defend the developers, it that genuinely is a bug that um, you're supposed to like, some characters will be very slow burn and I want to get to know you more and stuff. But there was a bug so that like the first big kind of end of act yeah. one thing, you went around to talk to your friends and they're all like, do you want to fuck? And yeah. <laughs> And Every no matter what, it, 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 it eventually, one of them did. And that's when I was like, oh my God, what the hell? No, no, how do I? And Charles goes, did you not see the thing in the beginning where it says, you know, the nudity filter thing? I'm like, I don't read. I don't read. <laughs> and he's like, well, the good thing, you can go in there and turn it off. I'm like, uh, yeah. okay. But I haven't picked it back up since. I've just been like yeah. traumatized you're, by that. You're going to be like, triggered. Oh. Yeah. The, the yeah, video no, game touched that. me in a bad place. I don't <laughs> show but, us on the on the download where it where it yeah. <laughs> good lord that that was that was really big actually yeah everyone loved that here yeah, I think Alan Wake 2 is gonna be big so that yeah uh, but I think you know writing about video games because they are kind of whiz bang shit for babies they're very immediate <laughs> and they're very like mm-hmm. you know imagery and very focused and I think that has i would like to think focused my writing a little bit and i mm-hmm. I, I try and be kind of immediate in some ways as well and very sure. like this, you know imagery and stuff um, well, i mean you're, you're used to writing about and editing editing writing about video games which are mm. an almost entirely visual format kind of experience yeah, yeah. and so you know, that also gives you a sense of like, what does an audience sort of want or what are they kind of prepared to process on their own? And like, what do they, what do they kind of like want to engage with in a conversation or sort of have help with or have outside input or whatnot. And so the whole business of being an editor of a publication is like professional audience awareness. And so how could that sort of not follow you into sitting down with the novel and saying like, all right, I, I want the experience of reading this to be this kind of a thing. And my audience mm. is this. I mean, do you, do you feel like, you know, like, yep, this is the type of person who's going to want grave expectations. Like, I think so. But then saying that, like, it's really surprised me. Like, mm-hmm. it's not like loads of people haven't read it. Like, I, sure. I, I'm not, I'm not doing like Richard Osman numbers or you know, <laughs> Stephen King or whatever, but right. like right. the people who have read it seem to really like it. Um, and I thought I had an idea of like the sort of person that the audience I was writing for, but then, you know, I've had like, um, you know, kind of older women who, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you'd sort of think would be a bit put off by all the swearing and the, <laughs> kind of <laughs> horrible. Oh, by uh, Chekhov's sparkly purple dildo. Um, yes, it is yes, Chekhov's yeah, dildo. Yeah. Um, uh, have, you know, responded really positive. I've had, I've had nice comments from people across a whole spectrum of, you know, readers at like, you know, ages and genders and sexualities and stuff, which is very gratifying. Um, does make writing the sequel terrifying. <laughs> but, um, um, yeah. Yeah. It's, it was interesting as well because uh, it's out in the US and the UK and it was, it was published by different publishers. So it was edited yes. simultaneously by a US editor and a UK editor. And it was really interesting getting uh, edits from both. So because the, the US editor kept like, there, there are a couple of characters that she is really shipping, and she kept doing the kind of making kiss, like yeah. to bang them together, um, uh, or stuff like things that, um, like it's got, it's got one. I, I bartered for one use of the bad c word, mm. which is um, in the UK is a lot. Um, I don't. It's, it's less charged. Maybe, yes. Yeah. 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 Uh, so I had, to, and I was talking to the American editor, and I was like, "Is that okay?" And she, and she said, "It sounds. <laughs> do you know what? It's it sounds different in a British mouth, so it's." Okay. <laughs> yeah. But it was there was um, one edit that really made me laugh. It was a, in the proofing stage, and the American proofer like queried a word because uh, <laughs> someone referred to uh, someone else as a bell end, and they were like, oh. they highlighted it, and were like. Do we need to Americanize? I think I, apparently it's a, a vulgar Britishism for the head of a penis. And I was like, it is, yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. 
Stat, please. We're keeping. This. Yeah, yeah. That's how they'll know they're getting the authentic, the, the authentic exactly, version. Exactly. Yeah, it's yeah, cross-cultural yeah. sharing. You know. Right. Yeah. I I hope if nothing else, I've exported Bellend to more Americans <laughs> in America. Yeah, yeah. It'll show up in in someone's angry angry retort at someone else, and they'll be like, yeah. oh, I wonder what that is. <laughs> Well, no, I like it because I feel it's quite immediate. You kind of, you know, when someone calls Mm, you a man, you sort of get a sense. You're like, oh, that can't be good. (laughs) (laughs) I think the American authors run into that just from regional dialects as well. Mm, Yeah. You know, someone, someone, I always go to the South, you know, people in the South say things that that other people don't understand, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, and, and so you always kind of run into that. Uh, I, I, I tell the story about my editor who uh, in Denver, culturally, uh, it's about green chili. Mm-hmm. So, so green chili uh, is, is, is kind of like a sauce or a gravy, but it's not. It's something that we put on our food here. Uh, you know, it goes into burritos. It goes over burritos. We smother burritos with it. It's this thing. It's very spicy. Uh, and it's a thing. And, you know, my editor was in an, another state and did not understand the thing and kept correcting the thing and spelling it differently than it's spelled here. And I kept changing <laughs> it back and arguing with them going, no, no, this story is set in Denver. In Denver, it's green chili. And in Denver, mm-hmm. green chili is spelled this way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And just kept getting an argument. Yeah. Uh, it this ended car up has a boot and not a trunk. Biscuits and not cookies. <laughs> yep, it was correct in the book, but there was a fight mm-hmm. to get it done. So, um, I I think yeah. it's really important to because you can tell if an author has just like you know Googled like slang from you know, mm. Denver and then just kind of uses that. It, it's important. Like people can tell when something's inauthentic. You know. Yeah. Like yeah. Um, there are in the sequel to Grave Expectations. I'm finishing up now. There are uh, some Irish characters because I live in Ireland now, and they mm-hmm. uh, and they talk in a very. I live in Cork, which is sort of the People's Republic of Ireland. Uh, yeah, uh, you know, it's, it's a real it's capital. Like it, yeah, no, it's like <laughs> yeah. the Texas of Ireland. It really is. Yeah. <laughs> and they have really nice, like, specific Corky slang and and dialect, and the Cork accent is very particular. The Cork accent is like the Australian accent of Irish accents. It's very oh, like, it's like Pirish. Yeah, sing yeah. song and it goes up and down. It's great. Um, and you know, I, I have to be particular when getting edits on it because I have to no, you can't. That's I know it looks wrong, but that's how. You know, they say hello to each other here, or like um, in, in Cork, they will say something, they were haunted, but that means you were lucky. So, like, uh, <laughs> you know, if someone said, Did you manage to get, uh, you know, tickets to, you know, Taylor Swift's Eras tour? And someone will go, Oh, God, we did. We were haunted. Like, we were so lucky to get them, you know, <laughs> which I think is great. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, when I, when I first started at the, the company that I work at, um, I had to. They they do a they do a class essentially because uh, they they teach people how to um, go out and 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 do the thing that we do, which is teach people how to play golf. I don't do that, but uh, I, I still had to take the class. And the guy mm. who's given the class uh, was like a top earner, and he became this 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 teacher, and he just taught people. And but he originally he he was a he was a coach, and he was at a center, and he was teaching people golf lessons. And he was in Atlanta, and so he's telling this anecdote to to try to talk about how to build rapport with people. And he's talking about this woman that he taught golf lessons to in Atlanta, and uh, he remembered that she said, uh, "Bless your heart," and that meant so much to him. That she would say, bless your heart. And I started laughing. And and he looked at me and he goes, why are you laughing? And I went, oh, you don't know. Oh, bless your heart. <laughs> no. And he's like, he's like, what? And I explained to him that, that Southern people will say, bless your heart, because they think you're stupid. <laughs> and, and it completely upturned his anecdote, his idea that he had built rapport, and this whole memory that he had of this sweet old lady in Atlanta who was telling him, bless your heart. He no, she's no like, you're idea. an idiot. Go die in a ditch. Yes. <laughs> like, yes. Like, yeah. No clue. No clue that that's what that meant. 
and and it's but, stuff like that. And like it's it's the regional thing that that yeah. you got to explain to people. Mm. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so there's something else that we need to explain to people before we can feel that we have completed our duties here on the Functional Nerds uh, Picks of the Week time. What do you say? Yes. Yes. Picks of the Week. All right. So this is kind of weird for me. I'm on a bit of a tear. Uh, I don't usually have like a lot of movies or television shows or things like that as my picks. Um, but I'm going to do uh, two television-ish things in a row here. Um, it is the Spooktober times, at least at time of recording here. And we've been working our way through just like showing the kids things that we think that they think would be cool. And I had the hardest time for the longest time convincing the kids to watch Beetlejuice with me. But I finally, I finally, I was able to leverage the fact that it was my birthday and we were supposed to do whatever mom wants. And I'm like, we're going to watch Beetlejuice. And they were like, fine. <laughs> um, and so we watched it? it and, um, huh? What was it? <laughs> it was my birthday. No, no, um, no. no. What, what, what was the name of the, like, you said it twice. Could you say it a third mm, time? Yes, yes. <laughs> now we need Michael Keaton to come bursting through the, the floor of the model. Um, but yeah, or us to get pulled in. But yeah, so I, it's it's one of my longtime, all-time favorite films. I think it's my favorite Tim Burton film, period. Um, and it was sort of fun for me to rewatch it with the kids, not just because I got to see their reactions to it and them in the end kind of being turned into converts to it, but also because like, it's such a perfectly molded story. Like every element of it matters. Like there's no filler in it. Um, every little piece of it matters. This is like a whole other episode that I could just do us about like kind of breaking down the plot of Beetlejuice and like how everything in it is sort of earned and hangs together. Um, but I think the thing that I like about it best is that although it's weird and macabre and a lot of screwed up shit happens through the course of it, that ultimately it's still a very warm hearted sort of film. Um, and that even our kind of ostensible villains uh, in the end end up being kind of in a good place, uh, all things considered. So um, if you haven't watched Beetlejuice in a hot minute or maybe somehow never have, it would not be a bad way to cap off your October 31st or any other spooktober type of night. And did you know that they are working on Beetlejuice 2? I heard that and I am no. trying to pay no attention to it because I cannot see how this improves anything. I, I, I just, oh. I, that's, that's, that's a, no one had that need. No one. And yet it is being answered. <laughs> so Alice, how about you? Oh, uh, I hadn't heard that since my weekend's ruined. Oh no, it's ruined. <laughs> We're sorry. Uh, I'm, uh, True to form, as a video games journalist, going to recommend a video game. It's called Saturnalia, and it is a spooky video games horror game, an extremely stylish horror game by uh, some Italian developers. Uh, I reviewed it because I, I loved it, and it's out soon on Steam. Uh, it's um, out on consoles and things already, and it was on the Epic Game Store. And I became pally with the lead dev on it afterwards because he's uh, very interesting and loves all kinds of horror stuff. Really interesting to talk to. The Saturnale is a an Italian folk horror game set in the eighties in a Sardinian mining town, and it's um, the night of the yearly Saturnalia festival in this town. Uh, and you are you play sort of a group of four different strangers to the town in one way or another, and you can switch between them. They have different skills, uh, but unfortunately, you have to survive the night in this town because, uh, as it turns out, the folk festival involves a, a creature stalking the streets and eating people. So, Five nights at Saturnalia. Yeah. <laughs> so there's no there's no map. Uh, you just sort of have to remember your way around this small town, and you know, like the. Uh, the hardware store is over here and the bar is over here and, you know, this safe house is here and you walk around these dark, dark streets and uh, every so often you might hear a kind of rattling, shaking noise chasing you down the streets and that's when the creature's coming to get you and you have to run or hide or do something to get away, otherwise it'll snatch you. Um, it's amazing, the kind of complex web of small town secrets, the art direction, it's fantastic, it's inspired a lot by Italian giallo, horror movies sort of spirit and and stuff like that and uses like 
lots of bright neon pink and blue and stuff against this this very grey sort of hand-drawn town backdrop um, and it's very cool writing and, and music and stuff as well and I really love it so I recommend it to anyone who has uh, an interest in video games or horror you know, awesome. you know when you when you start a game and, for the very first time, and that that screen comes up where it's like, adjust mm. the settings until you can just barely see <laughs> yeah, yeah, the yeah, thing. Yeah. And going, I always go, ah, oh, shit. Yeah, <laughs> mm-hmm. never a good sign, is it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so my my version of that is when you're like walking around, and it does it in Saturnalia as well, and you're just walking around, and then it goes like press a to run and i'm like why do i need to run video game (laughs) are we just practicing is this like is this like training (laughs) all right so patrick how about you uh i am going to pick a movie uh since it is halloween uh i finally watched nope oh wow and this is available currently as of this recording on prime you can mm-hmm. watch it on Prime. And I managed to avoid spoilers about it for however long it's been out. Like, I haven't really uh, seen any spoilers. So I was I was pleasantly surprised by the entire movie. I enjoyed it. I, there, is a, there is a part where uh, there's a brother and sister uh, who are, like, the, the main characters in this. And there, there's a part where the brother is is walking around and all of a sudden something happens. He turns around and he looks and he sees and he's like, nope. And he just turns and walks away. And that to me was like, I was so, I thought, oh, okay. They actually do say it in the movie. He's just like, nope. <laughs> and turns around and walks away. And mm-hmm. uh, so I don't want to give spoilers about it, but I, I enjoyed it quite a bit. I thought it was, I thought it was a lot of fun. Uh, Jordan Peele is a really good, good storyteller. And he's, he's, he's figured out the horror part of it, you know, and we always talk about horror and comedy are kind of, different sides of the same coin like the the things that work in comedy kind of also work in horror and mm. and he does that really really well so uh well worth it worth worth a couple hours every time i i think uh nice I liked it quite a bit all right well that's a very very seasonally spooktoberish lineup of rec so we're we're timely we're together we're like a, we're a well-oiled machine here <laughs> and of course if you need a book to round out your recommendations we got grave expectations so it's Yay. waiting for you wherever fine books and and not so fine books books lesser than it are in fact sold wherever um, deeply unserious books are sold <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So where can folks find you, find more of your cool stuff and generally make their their life more full of Alice Bell? Uh, So I am on uh, Shitter, (laughs) I'm on Twitter. (laughs) Uh, And um, that is, I picked the handle and then I realized when I started doing podcasts that it's a really difficult handle to say because it's A, B words, but it's A, A, B, like the insect. And then what? Um, and uh, and that is the same handle on Blue Sky as well, which I'm gradually transitioning to. And I have a newsletter. Uh, the link to sign up to that is pinned on my Twitter profile, uh, which I send out sort of three or four times a year. And it's a lot of links of interesting stuff that I have read online and books and, uh, you know, articles and things. And then a reminder that, that you can maybe buy my books as well if you'd like to. Um, so there's that too. All right. Well, it's been awesome talking to you, Alice. Thanks for being with us. Thank you for having me. It was so much fun. I liked like talking about, you know, comedy and fun stuff, cool things. So it was very a nice refreshing evening chat for me. Thank you. Our pleasure. Here we are again at the end. I'm sure you have questions after this episode like how old is Lieutenant Beckett Mariner? Well, I had lieutenant junior grade. But this isn't about that. This is about the end of the episode wherein I say thank you. Thank you for... Seriously, how old is Mariner? Sorry. Sorry. Thank you for listening. We appreciate it. To our Patreon backers, extra special thanks for keeping the lights on. If you're not one of our Patreon backers, don't listen to that thank you. That was not for you. Okay? That was not for you. 
It was only for them. Don't 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 listen to me thanking the Patreon backers if you're not a back. <laughs> They're special. Now, of course, you could be special too. Just head over to patreon.com slash functional nerds and become a backer of the show. And then, and only then, are you allowed to listen when I give them a special thank you. In fact, you could re-listen to this. And then you'll get that warm, kind of fuzzy feeling, you know, makes you happy. Kind of comes from your chest. That knowing that you are special. And that that thank you was totally for you. But if not, don't you, don't listen to that thank you if you're not a Patreon backer. Now, is, is Mariner, like, is she 40? How old is Wesley at this point? Lower Decks is after Voyager, but it's before Picard, I think, so <laughs> never mind. Beyond the Trope would like you to go listen to their episodes. Giles and Michelle said, you'll totally love their show, and I don't think they would lie to me, so go on. Go ahead. It's okay. Now I want you to remember something, something very, very important. It's called the mash, the monster mash. Think about it. Let it percolate in your head, in your headspace. The monster mash it was a graveyard smash. Whew. Okay. I'm glad that that's over. We can consider more important things like did a transporter accident maybe somehow cause Mariner to stop aging? Mr. Carpiers. You got it right. How about that? Yeah. You can call me Cannoli Joe. If you've if you've never listened to the podcast, there there's there's two different styles here. There's there's Tracy who does prep work and comes up with some very thoughtful questions, and then oh squirrel. Oh, for God's sake, Patrick Louise. <laughs> Are you okay with me recording you today for the purposes of this podcast? <laughs> okay, that's probably a good enough signal. <laughs> When someone comes up to me and says, hey, I really love what you do. I'm like, I'm sorry. Do you know who I like? I think you have me confused with someone else. The whiz bang and the gosh wow and the sense of wonder stuff. My favorite thing about time travel is I actually had a time travel joke for you guys, but you didn't like it. I'm so excited.